How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good. Whoever that was, great. <laughs> nice. Um, hey, uh, we are, I'm glad to be here with you guys this morning. I am, uh, last, well, last week we started a brand new series called Job, The Significance of Suffering, and I am super pumped about this series because I love this story. It's such a good story. It's one of my favorite stories by far in the Bible, and I think it's one of my favorite because I think every single person in this room can relate to Job in some way, or every single person in this room, can, we can relate to the situation uh, or to a situation kind of like what Job has gone through. It applies to every single one of us because the honest truth is every single one of us, we're going to get that call in the middle of the night or whenever it is where the words death, divorce, accident, cancer, diagnosed, whatever it might be, are going to enter our life. It's going to happen. All right? We can't escape from it unless we die young, right? Um, but some tragedy is going to come into your life, and it's going to come unexpected, and we're all in the same boat in that, in that sense. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That's just how it is. That's what life is. And what I have realized is that it's during these times when some tragedy or some hardship or whatever it might be, some storm enters our life, it's during these times that most of us have questions. Okay, now we kind of take two different ways or two different avenues here. See, some people, when something bad happens in their life, you know what they do? They question God's goodness, okay? That's like the first thing that they do. It's like, whoa, 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 okay? And we've all heard this before, and maybe we've all even thought this before or felt this before, where it's like, hey, you know, um, this terrible thing has happened. Like, how could God be good? Why would a good, good God allow something so bad to enter my life? Like, how, I don't understand that. We can't, we can't like, uh, we can't. Put it together in our minds. And some people, they just don't question the goodness of God, right? Some people, they question God's existence entirely. Like, it's just like, well, you know, if, if this is happening and it's terrible and I got to go through this and it's suffering or pain or whatever it might be, you know, and it's, how could God even exist? I don't even know if God's there. Like, I don't, I don't know if I actually believe in God anymore. You know, it's, people start thinking about that. Now, if that's not even you, okay, which probably... A lot of Christians, you know, that's not where we're not questioning. You know, if you're sitting there, you're like, well, I don't really question God's goodness because I know he's good. And, you know, I don't really question God's existence because I know he's there. You know, we at least, you know, question why. Right? Haven't you ever questioned why? Like something bad happens in your life, you're just like, why? Like why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening? I don't see any good in this. Why did this happen to ha or why did this have to happen now? Or why is it happening to me or to a loved one um, that I have? A lot of times I feel like we find ourselves asking why. And it kind of all boils down to one question. And it's why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? That's the question we want to know. And that's what the story of Job answers for us. And so that's, that's, that's why I love this story uh, so much. Last week, hopefully a lot of you guys were here uh, last week, but uh, we start off uh, this series, we start off on this story. And this story is true, by the way. It's not just some like fairy tale that was made up and, and you know, God's just 
telling us this, this made-up story to teach us something. It's not, it's not what it is. It's not like a parable or anything like that. No, this is a true story about a man, about a real man who lived in a real time, in a real, in a real place, who lived actually probably before Abraham. This is the oldest book in the entire Bible, and so this is like ancient, ancient history, but real guy nonetheless. And, uh, and last week, we, talk, we introduced ourselves to Job. Job, he was the wealthiest, wealthiest man probably in the entire earth. Um, the Bible tells us that he was the greatest of all the men of the East. So definitely within his region, he was the wealthiest man. And uh, he was known for his wealth, but much more known than being the, the richest guy, you know, in there, maybe on the planet. He was known much more than that for his relationship with God, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Okay, wealthiest man, he's got all this stuff, you know, um, imaginable wealth. And, but he's, and people know about that, but he's much more known for his relationship with God. All right? It's kind of crazy. I'm just, just thinking about it. And, uh, and his reputation isn't just known on earth, remember? It's also known in heaven. Because one day, Satan shows up in heaven. He, he walks in there, and, and God looks over at him, and you know, the angels are praising him. They're worshiping him. And this is the throne room of God here. And Satan comes to present himself before the Lord. And God looks at him, and God is so interesting. It's so crazy to me that God brings Job up. It's not Satan. It's God. And God says, oh, hey, Satan, where, where have you come from? And Satan says, well, I've been roaming around on the earth, or, you know, walking around on it. And God's like, oh, great, oh, great, great, great. So you've noticed my servant Job. You notice my man Job, right? And, and here's God of the universe who's completely holy, who's all-powerful, who's so, so, so good, pointing out to Satan. He's pointing out a human being. Shows us how righteous Job was. Not that Job was perfect, because we know he wasn't. But it just shows us the type of character that this guy Job has. And, uh, and when God does that, Satan, he comes back you know, swinging. He, he, he starts attacking Job's, Job's character. He starts attacking his reputation. By the way, we talked about last week that he is always accusing us before God, right? He's always trying to remind God, always reminding God how, um, you know, our, how we really are on the inside. He's reminding God about all the terrible things that we do, all the, you know, how sinful we actually are. He's always reminding God about our faults. And so he starts doing that to Job, and he's like, whoa, God, are you kidding me right now? Like, you seriously think that Job only worships you, for, you know, you th- seriously think that he only worships you because he wants to or he worships you for nothing? Look at all that you've given him, right? Like, you've given him so much. Like, look at all the wealth. You made him the, the greatest man of all the East, okay? You've given him so much wealth that, you know, inconceivably wealthy, and you give him all this stuff, and you've protected him, and you've protected his family. Of course he's going to worship you. Look at all the stuff you've given him. Any idiot would worship you. You know, that's, that's what Satan's, that's, that's kind of Satan's argument. And he's just like, you know, if you were to take all that stuff away, I guarantee you Job would curse you. He would curse you to your face if he had the chance. You know, he's just attacking, attacking, attacking. And what's, what does God do? God says, okay. Okay. Go do what you got to do. Go test him. But he gives a caveat in there. He says, but you are not allowed to touch Job. 
And so that's where we left off last week, where Satan, he, he leaves the throne room of God, and God's given him the green light, and, uh, and he's, trying, he's planning on what he's going to do to Job. And he comes down, and he actually decides to hit Job from like four directions. And, uh, and he comes down on this brutal rampage on Job, and he's going to give Job like everything he's got, like every ounce of what he's got. And, uh, and Job has no idea that this is coming. All right, so next, the verse where we left off last week, we'll start in verse 13 today. It says, one day when Job's sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, hanging out with each other, he says, a messenger came to Job and he reported, and this guy's probably running as fast as he can. He comes up, he's like, hey Job, while the oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing nearby, the Sabians, they swooped down and they took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. So the servant comes up, right, and, and he just tells Job, he's like, hey, basically, you've lost a third of your wealth, okay? It's just gone. A third of what you own, you know, is, is, is over. You know, you're never going to get it back. I mean, for me, I, I try to picture this scenario, like, what's going on here? How exactly, you know, because Job doesn't know this is going to happen, and, he, and he's just kind of doing his normal thing. We learned last week that one thing Job would do is he would wake up early in the morning and offer sacrifices to God. Okay, that's, that's what he did. So it's like Job would wake up early in the morning and worship God. That's just what he did, all right? That was, that was his routine. And so, in a sense, Job kind of already had his, what we would view today as, church, like he had his church that morning, you know, he did his devotion or whatever you want to call it, he did his study, and, you know, and, uh, and he's worshiped God, he's probably feeling pretty good, he's doing what like all righteous, you know, really good Christian people would be doing, I picture him, he's, he's on the like porch, you know, maybe he's got his Bible there, he's got listening to his Christian music, eating Chick-fil-A, you know, maybe he's even got his computer, he's got the Hobby Lobby website open, just, you know. Shopping for his wife. It wouldn't be for him, right? It would be for his wife. And, you know, he's doing, he's like, I don't know what ultra-righteous people do, but maybe that's it. Um, and, uh, and that's what Job's doing. And he kind of looks off in the distance, and he sees this servant running, you know, that he knows. Uh, this is, you know, somebody that he knows well is running as fast as he can towards him. And Job's probably like, that's odd. Okay, that's kind of weird. I don't know what's going on. He must have some news. And the servant comes running up as fast as he can. He's probably out of breath, you know, like Job. Job, you know, he's probably on his knees. like, you won't believe it, but a group of men, they came, they raided, you know, your camp, they raided, and they took all your donkeys and oxen, and they've killed all your servants. Like, all the men that work for you, they're all dead. Like, they're just gone. They killed every single one of them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. I'm the only one left. And before this guy's even done talking, somebody else comes up. He says, as he was still speaking, he, and think about Job, he's probably got a thousand questions, like, wait, what are you saying? Like, is this, is this for real? You know, while he was still speaking, when another messenger uh, came and he reported, he says, Job, you won't believe this, God's fire fell from heaven. All right, real quick, before some of you guys, are like, okay, you're losing me here, fire from, from heaven, I don't believe that, you know, whatever. Let me just throw this out at you to make you feel good, okay, this is for you. Um, this uh, fire from heaven is, is, is a way that... Uh, ancient Hebrews that they would use to describe lightning, okay? Or it could have been actual fire from heaven. So could have been one or the other, but some of you guys who need like a logical, like, I don't know, the God could do this, which is ridiculous, okay, by the way. Um, you could view it as lightning. Whatever it is, I don't think Job cared because he only cared about, you know, his stuff is just, is just gone and, and the people that work for him are just gone. But anyway, uh, it burned the sheep, okay? By the way, if I were Satan, I'd probably burn the sheep too, because those would probably be the most interesting things to watch burn, which is kind of morbid. Um, but uh, sheep, I feel like, wouldn't burn 
they wouldn't burn fast, like, you know, wool, and you got all this stuff, but thicker, I don't know. But anyway, you got flaming sheep around, and David is, like, covering his face. Don't tell the rest of the staff that I said that. But, um, so the sheep are, like, running around flaming balls of sheep, and, uh, and it burned the sheep and the servants, which is much more sad, and devoured them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. All right, so this guy comes, and he's, he's given Job his news. And then while he's still talking, another servant comes. And he says, this, uh, the messenger was still speaking when yet another came, and he reported. He says, Job, 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 you wouldn't believe it, but the Chaldeans formed, they formed three different bands, and we couldn't, you couldn't, you know, fend them off, and they made a raid on the camels, and they took them away. They struck down the servants with the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. All this happens basically at once. And Satan has designed these tragedies to happen in rapid succession. That's how it is in the Hebrew. It's just like bam, bam, bam. Over, you know, just, just hits, hit, hit. You know, and, and Job, I don't think he necessarily knows what to do. They're all hitting him at once. Doesn't life feel like that sometimes? I mean, think about it. Have you ever been through, you know, we've, gone, we've all been through bad things because life doesn't work out for, you know, any of us. Is that ever, you know, you hear the phrase, when it rains, it pours? You ever just feel that where it's just like, man, when's it going to end? When's 2020 going to end? You know, it's just like, it's just like, just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. Like, uh, like, where you just, you're just like, like, when's this going to stop? It's just one after another. I got, I got problems at home, and then I got this other problem at home, and then my kids got a problem with school, and then I got a problem at work, and then I got a problem with my parents, I got a problem with my kids, I got, you know, it's just all this stuff. You ever feel like that where it's just like, it's just like too many problems on too many fronts, and you feel like, like, it's just, it's just never ending. It's not stopping. I bet that's exactly how Job felt in this moment. But what Job doesn't know is Satan's not done. And the, Satan saves the worst one for last. It says, and he was still speaking. So the servant, this, the, all three guys are ta- probably talking over each other, telling them what happened, and, and they're still t- telling Job, reporting to Job the deal. And while they were still speaking, let's say, when another messenger came and reported. Now this messenger... I bet this messenger is not running as fast as he can. He's like, Job, Job, you won't believe it. Fire from heaven. You know, sheep, you know, I bet this servant's not doing that. I bet this guy is walking slowly because I bet he is dreading telling Job his news. He probably walks up, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to say this. He says, Job, um, your sons and your daughters, they were... They were eating and drinking wine in the oldest brother's house, you know, like they, like they do. And suddenly this, like, powerful wind swept in from the desert, and it struck the four corners of the house, and it collapsed on the young people so that they died. And, and I checked. They're, they're, all, they're all dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Job's life turns literally upside down in an instant. Right? He loses his wealth. He loses his servants. I think we brush by the servants thing. I think a lot of us were like, well, servants, that's not, that's not right. I mean, these are, these are the people that work for him, okay? I mean, it, these are probably his friends, maybe his closest friends. Right? These are the people that, that Job was hung out with day in and day out type thing. He, he lost them. 
And then worst of all, Job loses his kids all at once. I mean, can you imagine how Job felt in that moment? Like, like just real quick, pull away from your problems. All right, pull away kind of from what, what you're thinking about in your mind. Just, just think about this. Can just, just imagine how Job felt in that moment. He lost seven sons. He lost three dollars, daughters, not dollars. <laughs> They're worth a lot more than that. All right, three daughters. Just imagine how that would feel. See, some of you know this pain, just not on this level. We've lost children. Job loses everybody. I mean, this guy who follows God, right? He's known for following God. That's his his reputation, right? He follows the God who is all-powerful, and he follows the God who is all-good. And that's what he tells people. And that, you know, that's what he he preaches, you know, to those in his community and those around him. Because that's his reputation. I mean, this is the guy who has this great relationship with God, and he's a good person, and no one can blame him for anything. No one's got any dirt on Job. He's liked by everybody. This guy loses everything. I mean, how do you think people looked at Job um, when they heard that he had lost everything? Think anybody, I mean, how do, you think, how do you think they're viewing Job now? I mean, imagine the embarrassment as Job walked into town and everybody knew that, that this God who Job claimed protected him and this God who Job claimed was, was a good God and was a real God, that this God that Job worshipped, Job said was the real deal, and now Job has lost everything. I just wonder. I wonder if people were just like, still believe in that God? Like, where's your God now, Job? You've been telling me for years. Where's your God? Like, like if this is what happens, I don't want to worship that type of God. And the question that everybody wants to know is, what's he going to do? How is Job going to respond? And at first, I'm sure he's just standing there. His eyes are wide open. He, he's hearing all this, and he's trying, to, he's trying to take it all in. And I'm sure he doesn't believe it, right? Because that's usually the first thing when something really bad happens. It's like denial. And, and I'm sure Job's like denying it. Like, no, 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 no. That can't be true. Like, tell me you're lying. There's no way. There's no way all this has happened at once. There's no way that all 10 of my sons and daughters are all gone. Don't tell me that. Tell me you're lying. Like, is this a joke? Are you kidding me? Like, this is, you know, this is, this this is cruel. You, you can't be telling me that this is right. And then in verse 20, when it finally sinks in, it says, Then Job stood up, he tore his robe, and he shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshiped. Isn't that awesome? By the way, the, the tearing his robe and the shaving of your head, some of you guys, you know, you shave your head regularly, so you're like, that's not a big deal, right? But, uh, but the whole tearing a robe thing, that's kind of weird, right? This was the most emotional um, demonstration a person could do in their culture, okay? That's just what they did in their culture. It basically, it showed everybody that, uh, that it meant that the person was in extreme distress. That's what it means, and, uh, and that they could not function. Almost, almost like, the, like, the, like telling people that sorrow was literally killing them on the inside. That's what they did in their culture. By the way, there's cultures all around the world that still do this to this day. And you know, Satan had to be close, right? I mean, he's waiting. This is his like moment of triumph in, in his mind. He's waiting for Job to cry out against God, and, and he's, he's waiting for Job to curse God. I mean, all Satan needs is like a little whisper. That's all he needs is just a little whisper of a curse. 
And even us, when we're reading the story and hearing the story, you know, we're ready for Job to cry out. We're like, okay, well, see, something's going to happen. Like, like he's going to say something. He's going to yell something to God. Like, there's going to be something here. And then Job finally responds. And God's waiting. And, you know, Satan's right there. He's waiting. Everybody's waiting. And this is what he says. He says, so he fell to the ground and he worshiped. And this is what he says. Naked I came from my mother's womb. And naked I will leave this life. The Lord gives, and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's his response. You know, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm you know, sometimes I'm just like, this week I'm just like, what? That's how he responds? Like, instead of questioning God like we all do, or instead of cursing God, instead of blaming God, that's something we all do a lot, he worships him. You know, even maybe there's part of us that are like, does he even care about his kids? This must not have been that big of a blow to Job. You know, our minds, this just makes no sense. Why did he choose to do that? Or why did he choose to say that? We get, that, by the way, that it's a choice, right? I think a lot of times we, we lose this part of it where it's like, it's like, well, yeah, yeah, something that happens is really bad. Um, you know, we come up with, ex- we always come up with excuses why sin's okay, all right? This is just, this is how we all function. We're all in the same boat in that sense. But for us, I think a lot of times when something really horrible happens, we're questioning God or we're, we're like, I don't know about this whole God thing anymore, whatever it might be, or we, you know, a lot of times we're just like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to react like that. Like, look, look at this bad thing in my life. Of course that's how I'm going to act. Of course that's what I'm going to do. Of course that's what I'm going to say. But that's not true. It's a choice, right? Job chose to worship, right? He chose to say those things. He chose to do what's right, even on the worst day of his life, even on the worst case scenario of the worst day of his life. You know, what's he do? He stands up and says, God, I was born with nothing Now I'm going to die with nothing, and probably with clenched teeth, because I don't think this was easy for Job. I think a lot of times we give Job a pass. Well, you know, he's super righteous, so I'm not like that. No, don't give Job a pass. I think this was super difficult for him, and probably in clenched teeth, he probably says, blessed be the name of the Lord. Now for me, I don't know how to respond. Like, how would you respond if this happened to you? What would you do? What would you say? How would you react? You know, me, I, I don't know. You know, of course, you know, honestly, I'd like to, to think I'd worship. You know, I'm a pastor, right? So I got to, you know, I read my Bible every day. And, I, you know, I do all these things. I pray to God. I, I you know, have a relationship with him. And so, yeah, I, I, I would worship. You know, part of me, of course, would like to think that. But I also know the other part of me that would be going, God, what the heck are you doing? Why? Why would you allow this into my life? You know, are you even there? Are you paying attention? Do you have your, are you looking at something? Are you watching something else? Do you know what's going on right here? See, that's what we do, right? When something bad happens in our life, a lot of times our reaction, our response to that bad thing is we get angry with God. And we, we question God. We go, God, do you really care? God, do you really love me? Like, you're supposed to be a God of love, and you're supposed to love me, and now I, you know, I'm not so sure anymore. God, if you, say, if you are who you really say that you are, why would you allow this thing or this situation or these things 
to happen to me. And then some people, they just, you know, they're just the, well, then God's just not there. I don't, God must not exist, okay? God must not be there. See, some people, they base their belief on God on how they feel in a moment. That's not good. By the way, notice that Job's not happy. It's not like Job hears this news like, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, he doesn't do that. He's not happy about what's going on. He's in deep grief. I mean, he tears his clothes and he, he shaves his head. We see that. It's like some people, and this is maybe more of a Christian thing, okay? It's like some people, when, uh, when we see our friends or we see people, you know, around us, they're going through some, some thing or maybe let's say their loved one died. It's like we go up to them sometimes and it's just like, you know, there's people who are just like, you know, rejoice, be happy. It's, it's going to be okay, okay? They're in heaven now. It's, a, it's all right. You know, it makes you want to just punch him. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, shut up. Don't tell me to smile. Don't tell me to be happy. See, one thing that I think Job teaches us here is that you can still grieve and worship him. You can do both. You can still grieve about the situation and the horrible thing that's in your life while still worshiping God. It's not about a smiling face. It's not about being happy with every situation that enters your life. See, character is not made in crisis. We hear that a lot. Character is not made in crisis. It is revealed in crisis. It shows you who you really are. It shows you where you're at in your relationship with God. I've talked to people who have gone through some just terrible, terrible, terrible stuff, much, much harder than I've ever had to go through in my entire life, that's for sure. And once in a while, I'll have someone who, they'll say something like this, like, you know, because of this or because God allowed this in my life, I, I've lost my faith. You know, you hear people say stuff like that, like, I've lost my faith. And for me, as, as, I'm, as I'm being told this, you know, I'm just like, good. I don't care if you lose that type of faith. I don't care if you lose that faith, right? Lose that kind of faith, right? Because a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You better write that one down because that one was gold. I actually stole that from another guy. (laughs) But think about it. So true. Faith that cannot be tested is faith that cannot be trusted. See, if your relationship with God can't weather a storm, then it's not real. You faked yourself into thinking that it was real or tricked yourself. See, Job, he gives us such a great, great, great example to follow. Actually, uh, the author of Hebrews in the New Testament points back to Job and says, you know, look at Job. All right, look what he had to go through. Look how he responded in the next verse in 22. Uh, this ends this chapter. He says, throughout all this, Job did not sin or blame God for anything. He didn't even blame God. That's one of the things that I feel like we struggle with the most. See, for me, as I was thinking about this this week, you know, I was thinking, I was like, you know, it would be easier to respond the way that Job did if I was like an all-star Christian. You know what I mean? If I was like, if I had this awesome, great relationship with God and, and my relationship with God was like Job, then it would be a lot easier to respond the way Job did. But then I started thinking. I was like, maybe it's the other way around. Maybe because of Job's response, maybe his response is what makes him an all-star Christian or an all-star relationship, guy with a relationship with God, whatever you want to call it. Maybe that's what makes him an all-star. 
See, we look at people, I think a lot of times we look at people in the Bible and we don't view them as normal people, which most of them are, right? We view them as like these ultra, you know, the religious or ultra righteous uh, people. You know, we, they're like top-notch godly people. And for us, we look at them and we're like, well, I'll never be one of them. So you can't expect me to, you know, to, to do what they do. You can't expect me to, to be like them. Can't expect me to have the same response that they had when they went through this, this thing. But I don't think that's how it is. I think, it's, I think it's their everyday little situations that they went through in life, just like we go through everyday little situations in our life that we go through. Uh, I think it's their response to those situations. That's what makes them top-notch. And it's a choice. We could choose to shun God, or we could choose to run to God. We could choose to blame God, or we could choose to praise God. By the way, who do you think is better equipped to deal with your pain than God? Your friend, your spouse, counselor, pastor? I mean, who do you think is better equipped to help you deal with your pain than God? Well, well, God, God doesn't know what it's like to suffer. You know, he doesn't know what it's like to lose a son. Really? You know, the father watched Jesus being tortured to death on the cruelest, most, you know, probably the worst way to die that was ever invented. The cross was meant to torture, to inflict as much pain as possible before they die. Keep them alive the longest and the most painful. That's what it was made for. Father, watch that. Watch Jesus suffer. Well, you know, God doesn't know what it's like to be abandoned. Really? You sure about that? Doesn't he? Jesus was abandoned by every single one of his followers the night they, before he died. They all took off. Peter, his like top-hand guy, denied that he even knew Jesus multiple times. You know, Jesus, you want to look at suffering? Go read the book of John, right? Go look at the way, go look at all the suffering that Jesus had to go through while he was here on earth. I mean, the, wherever he went, there's people following him trying to publicly humiliate him. Trying to, people who call him a liar. His hometown tried to kill him. His family rejected him. Uh, he was personally tempted by Satan for like over a month. Right, he experienced hunger. He experienced being worn out physically. He experienced being thirsty. Right, he knew what it was like to have stress and anxiety. The night before he died, he's, he is so, um, you know, so stressed out that he's, he's sweating blood. Right, he, uh, he knew what it was like to be sad. He knew what it was like to, ha- to feel regret. Not regret from sinning, because he was sinless. His own disciples disowned him. His own disciples abandoned him. He was brutally tortured to death on the worst way, again, like I said, one of the worst ways you could die. And even to this day, millions of people, his own creation, who he deeply loves, reject him and question his goodness. God knows what it's like to suffer. And if the all-powerful God of the universe suffers... It just makes me wonder, like, who are we to think our suffering and pain is not right or fair? See, suffering should not surprise us. It's a part of our life, and it's because we live in a fallen world that we messed up, all right? Jesus, he actually told us that we would have suffering in this life. Jesus promised us. Actually, Jesus said, hey, if you're a Christian, all right, just so you know, just so, you know, just so you're aware, all right, you're probably going to suffer more. Life's going to actually get harder for you. Actually, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, 
He says, hey, when we know that affliction, the same word for suffering, produces endurance. And endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. And this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out. He just pours out his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. See, what Paul's here is he's pointing out, he's like, hey, suffering, yeah, it's horrible, and yeah, it's not fun to go to, yeah, it's painful, but suffering, he just points out, suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and we are able to have hope because of God's love for us. And so the question for us isn't, why is this happening? You know, the question we should be asking is not, why is this happening, or why would God allow this horrible thing to happen into my life? The question that we should be asking is not why. The question is, how do you choose to respond? How do you choose to respond when suffering enters your life? How do you choose to respond when your car breaks down or your roommate uses your toothbrush, toothpaste, you know, whatever. I know that happens in college. All right. When you're diagnosed with some physical health problem, maybe you're realizing that you're going to be living in pain for the, rest of, for the remainder of your life. Or when you draw, overdraw on your, your bank account again and again and again, or you don't get that promotion or that business deal that you've been working on so hard and for so long, it's just, it's just not happening, or your spouse walks out, or maybe someone that you're really close to or someone that you really care about dies. How are you going to respond? Let's say this. How do you choose to respond when life doesn't go right and when bad things happen to you? Do you question God's goodness? Do you ask him why? Do you question God's existence? Do you blame him for it? Do you get depressed? Right? Uh, do you try to ignore the problem by sleeping it away or drinking it away? Or maybe you just start going to work and you, 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 know, you, you work nonstop just trying to distract yourself so you don't have to deal with it or so you don't have to think about it. Or do you make the choice to worship? You know, for Job, this day, worst day of his life. Worst day of his life. How are you going to respond on your worst day of your life? Some of you, maybe you're just going, well, I've already had my worst day. Okay, well, then how do you respond on the worst day of your life to come? What are you going to do? What are you going to say? How are you going to respond? See, Job here is such a great example for us because as Christians, our response should always be worship. Not that that's easy. Not that that's not difficult. I think it is extremely difficult. I don't think this was at all easy for Job. But he does it anyway, and he chooses to do it anyway. Our response is always a choice. Always. And for the story of Job, his problems are just beginning. And next week we'll see what happens next. Let's pray. God, we, um, we thank you for this story. We thank you for telling us what happened thousands and thousands of years ago. 
to this righteous man who's a lot better than any of us. God, we ask that you would help us to worship you when we are going through our worst days of our life, when bad things in our life, which you promise us is going to happen because we live in a fallen world. God, help us, help us to respond the way that you call us to. Help us to respond in worship. And God, we thank you for loving us when you don't have to. And we thank you for caring for us. And God, help us to trust in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.